It's from John 18, chapter 18, verse 28, which is on page 1086. My man. Okay. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the place of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is this your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you, may, you, may, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. What is the truth, retorted Pilate. With, with this, he went out again to the, Jewish gathered, to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for charges against him, but this is for your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. Did it like a pro in the end. We're in Lent, folks. Is anyone observing Lent? Should we have the lights on so people can read the, the Bibles? It's all dark out there. Um... In Lent, it's, it's, um, it's traditional to focus on Jesus' journey to the cross. And uh, we're doing that as we come to the end of John's Gospel. So we had this series on the body, which was so good, wasn't it? Um, and now we're, we're back in John's Gospel, and we're going to finish it off in the next three or four weeks. Um, now, the Gospel of John is one of the great works of literature, um, it's scripture, but it's beautifully crafted. And one of the literary characteristics of John is his use of scene changes to draw contrasts. John's like a movie director. You know, he's like Scorsese before they handed out Oscars. In John 18, we've got several scene changes and contrasts. You've got Peter's disloyalty and unfaithful denials interspersed with Jesus' faithful testimony. They're put side by side. You've got Judas, his treachery, side by side with Jesus' loyalty to his disciples. He's prayed for his disciples, and he says, I'm not going to lose any one of these. You've got the fickleness of the crowd contrasted with the steadfastness of Jesus. You've got the cowardice of Pilate and Peter and the bravery of Jesus as he goes to the cross. 
And then you've got here the, the opulence of the governor's palace contrasted with the degradation of the cross. And you've got innocent Jesus condemned, guilty Barabbas set free. And John goes on, another contrast he draws, for John, just as this is Passover and the lambs were slaughtered, and just as the Passover lambs were being slaughtered, the innocent Son of God, Jesus, is slaughtered at exactly the same time. So he uses these contrasts all the way through his gospel. Now, tonight we're, we're presented with two great contrasts. We have the king of truth in a world of lies, and we have the servant king in a world of bullies. I'm going to speak for 10 minutes, and then we're going to come to the communion table. So I'm going to do the first one there, the king of truth in a world of lies. Then we'll take the bread and the wine, and then we'll look at uh, the, ki- the servant king in a world of bullies. So if you can, if you can see your Bibles, uh, page 1086, have a look at verse 28. We're going to look at 28 to 40. And because we're going to get through the whole gospel, we're going to, after communion, go into chapter 19 as well. So the king of truth in a world of lies, verses 28 to 40. Here we have an interrogation. An interrogation is where someone is questioned interrogated, and the questions vamp up. Uh, Actually, Pilate asks six questions. Um, In this interrogation, Jesus testifies to the truth. Truth is a big thing in John's gospel, but Pilate mocks the truth. Verse 28 says this, the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. Now, from history, we know that that Roman governor was Marcus Pontius Pilatus. He governed Judea for 10 years during the reign of Caesar Tiberius. And in this trial of Jesus in his opulent palace, Pilate asks six questions in this interrogation. Some he asks to the Jewish leaders. Some he asks to the crowd. And some he asked privately to Jesus himself. So the first question he asked is in verse 29. Have a look at it there. Pilate came out to them, the Jewish leaders, and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? That's the first question. Well, he's a criminal. We wouldn't have handed over him to you if if he wasn't a criminal. Well, Pilate says, well, why don't you go and conduct a trial yourselves then if he's a criminal? They say, well, we don't have the right to execute him. We think this man is worthy of of death. And so the the execution turns out to be Roman. That's why it's on a cross. It's a Roman execution, not Jewish. And the writer John says, well, also, um, this thing happened, the the Roman execution, to make Jesus' words come true. What words? Well, Jesus himself had said, do you remember to Nicodemus on that dark and stormy night? Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, the Son of Man will be lifted up. And anyone who looks to him will be saved. Another time, again, he said in John chapter 12 that the the Son of Man, when he is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. 
And so even now, although hell is breaking loose here in this chapter, Jesus is in control. God's master plan is being worked out. And yet inside the palace, the interrogation continues with question two there. Verse 33, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replies with a question, is that your idea or is that someone else's idea? And then Pilate replies with another question, am I a Jew? What have you done? Verse 35. And Jesus sort of says, well, look, I am a king because Pilate understands politics and kingship, but not the kind of king that you understand. My kingdom is from another place. So next question, you are a king then, verse 37. See how John keeps repeating the word king. If you were to look up the, the word that is repeated most, it's king, 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 king. In other words, John is saying this chapter is all about who is the real king, who has the real power, and how should this power be exercised? In a world of people trying to be king, strutting around like peacocks as the Caesars and the governors did, Jesus is the true king, but he doesn't need to assert himself. He's the king of truth, as he says in verse 37. You're right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. That prompts question number five from Pilate. What is truth? He says it with a sneer. What is truth? I remember I was a student in the University of Cologne in Germany, and someone handed me a booklet. Was ist Wahrheit? What is truth? But here, uh, Pilate says it with a, a sneer. Truth? Truth claims are just power plays, Jesus. Truth claims are just ways of controlling other people's behavior and getting power over them. Rulers, dictators, kings have always used disinformation. It's not something that's just used by Putin. Propaganda, lies, disinformation have always been used by rulers to consolidate their power. We see this all over the world right now, from Russia to China to Iran to South America, Nicaragua, Venezuela, Afghanistan, Turkmenistan, North Korea, you name it. Power is supposed to serve truth. But often in politics, truth serves power. Ask Donald Trump. As the West has abandoned Christianity, it's abandoned the concept of truth. The philosopher Nietzsche said this would happen. When Nietzsche said, God is dead and we have killed him, he also said, we've killed the concept of truth. Once you kill the absolute, you kill truth. And then you kill justice. Now there is just your truth and my truth. No absolute truth because there's no absolute God. And so all truth claims, all truth claims are power plays. But what about that statement? If all truth claims are power plays, then that statement is the biggest power play of all. And you explain away your explanation. <laughs> are you following? 
There is no ultimate truth is an ultimate statement. Therefore, it doesn't make sense. We have to have ultimate truth. We can't live or function without absolute truth. And John's gospel tells us this over and over. The concept of truth is really important for John. It's John who quotes Jesus as saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Or again, he says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So here is the king of truth in a world of lies. And John would tell us, we only get to know the truth about ourselves and the truth about this world when we get to know the king of truth, Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus says, lies, where do they come from? They come from the Satan, the deceiver, the father of lies, the enemy of the truth. Human beings have got themselves tangled into a matrix of lies that come from him. What is truth, Jesus? Just a power play. His final question in this interrogation is asked in number, in verse 39, to the crowd. At Passover, often the governor would release someone as a favor. And this man is Barabbas, a murderer, we're told in another gospel. The crowd shout, no, not Jesus, Barabbas, release to us Barabbas. It's so scary how human beings in all kinds of societies condition themselves to living without truth and living a lie. And the abandonment of truth always leads to the abandonment of justice. Pilate doesn't care about justice. He's a crowd pleaser. And so he instructs the soldiers to mock and beat the king of truth and release Barabbas. Now then, one thing the, the gospel writers do is they introduce to you characters. John does it, Mark does it, Luke does it, Matthew does it. And what they want to, you to do is to examine, put yourself in the story and think to yourself, who do I most resonate with here? Where am I in the story? As we come to the, the communion table, I want you I want you to try and put yourself at the scene. Who do you resonate with in these two chapters? Do you resonate with Peter? You, you want to follow Jesus, but you're, you're scared to admit that you're a disciple of Jesus. Do you resonate with the crowd? You, you want to, to be in with the crowd, going on along with everybody else. Do you resonate with Pontius Pilate? You sense that Jesus is telling the truth, but... For you, it's too costly to commit to with your life. Or are you Barabbas? You know yourself to be guilty. But suddenly, you've been set free by the innocent one. Okay, folks, I'd like to, um, to read on. So we're going to go into chapter 19 now. And we're going to look at the servant king in a world of bullies. We've looked at the king of truth in a world of lies, the servant king in a world of bullies. And we're looking at chapter 19, verses 1 to 15. So, uh, verses 1 to 3, first of all. Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe, 
And they went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. See the bullying of the soldiers here, mocking him who claims to be the king of truth and the king of the Jews. We'll read on, verse 4 to 11. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and the officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law. And according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who has handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Stop there. Can you see what John is doing? He's contrasting King Jesus with the greatest political power that the world had ever seen at that time, Rome. And Jesus says to the greatest political power that had ever existed until then, the only power that you have has been given to you from above. In other words, everything that happens is part of God's sovereign plan. And yet, the religious leaders are more guilty than you are, he says. What's he saying there? Well, he's saying, look, God is completely sovereign and in control over all the events of history. But humans are still responsible for their choices and can still cause mayhem through their choices. God's sovereignty, man's responsibility. Would you like a whole sermon on that sometime? What do you think this is, a democracy? (laughs) Pilate represents the greatest political power that the world had ever known. What is political power? Political power is the ability and the opportunity to make people do things. And when Pilate says, are you a king? He's asking him, do you you have the power to make people do things? And Jesus' answer is twofold. He says, first of all, well, I'm not a political leader, otherwise my servants would fight. My kingdom doesn't move forward by political power in that way. No one should ever take up the sword or the gun in Jesus' name, and rule politically in Jesus' name. And from history, we know that when the church gets into bed with political power, it loses its genius. That's what happened in the Middle Ages, and that's why we had a reformation. But Jesus does have the power to make people change, and the authority. Read Mark's Gospel, and it's all about his authority. He really does 
he really does influence the way people act in this world, and he really can change people from the inside out. Pilate represents the greatest power the world has ever seen, but he's putty in the hands of the Jewish leaders. He knows Jesus is innocent. He says it a few times. I want to tell you, I find no basis for a charge against this man. And yet it was God's will for all this to happen. Verse 13, when Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat in a place known as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about noon. Passover was when they killed the lambs. See, Jesus is about to be slaughtered. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. How much power did Pontius Pilate really have? He just condemned a man who he knew was innocent and whom he wanted to release. Who has the power? The Christian answer is the one who gives away power rather than puts it on. Pilate says, I am Rome and I have the power to, to crush you like a bug. But Jesus says, don't you realize this is all part of God's plan? And if you abuse power, all you'll do is put me on a cross and make me the savior of the world. By abusing your power, you're helping me to show what real power is for. Real power is for giving, serving, releasing, blessing. In our world, power abuse and bullying is a topical subject right now in the cabinet, in the center of our government, in church, power abuse, in companies. This Tuesday evening, Marcus Honeyset is going to be speaking in the lounge here from 7 till 9 on the subject of healthy leadership. And it, it's important if you're a leader in any sphere of life or aspire to be one, to understand what healthy leadership is about. Marcus has written a book uh, called Powerful Leaders, and I guess he'll be basing some of his interactive talk on that. Why don't you get on the website right now? I've finished. Uh, you can sign up for it. Jesus is a servant king in a world of bullies, and real power is service. And the Christian way to use power, and in politics, is to give it away, is to empower others and to release others. Follow him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we marvel at the example that you've given to the world of servant leadership in a world of bullies. We marvel at how this has affected the history of the world, where, where people are called ministers, servants, because of Jesus. Lord, in a world of power abuse, help us to be healthy leaders. We need you. We know the sin that is within us.
please help us to follow Jesus. Amen.